0: I fumbled on my strumming. Uh, God is good, is he not? Well, that's... What's that? Amen all the time. And all the time, God is good. I I am thankful for all that God has done for us. Now, our scripture reading is not our text, but um, I I, I did want to start there. Uh, John chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Um, And uh, verse 14... um, Verse 14, really, as you stop and think about it, it, just grabs a hold of me. The Word became flesh. Well, who was the Word? Well, that tell, John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he didn't become God. Uh, he, he always was God. He was there uh, when, when God created the heaven and the earth. Guess who created the heaven and the earth? God. Jesus, Jesus was there. Uh, the Word uh, was was present. And in fact, uh, the, the Colossians tells us that He created all things, and by Him all things consist. Uh, he con- it's the power of Jesus Christ that continues to uphold all of these things. Jesus Jesus was was didn't become deity. He didn't contain deity. Uh, the Bible says that in Him was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise God for that. And you think about this this fact that He the Word became flesh. The the, the power, uh, while he set aside his glory, his deity, his perfectness, his his holiness, was, was all inside of Christ. And when he came and lived on this earth, yes, he was tempted just like we are, but he was tempted without sin. Uh, he, he, he was never distracted from the will of the Father. Uh, his In fact, at 12 years old, when most boys were probably throwing... Pulling girls' pigtails or whatever else twelve-year-old boys did back then—I don't know because that was a long time ago. There, uh, the culture was different, and in fact, a lot of times they were uh, at that age—they were, were really becoming men. Uh, but but uh, in, instead of doing all those things, where where was he found at twelve years old? In the temple, asking questions. He was growing in his knowledge and 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 because. He had to learn those things. But, but when he lived on this earth, it says, it says, The Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld, the, the disciples beheld, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. They saw the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Now, how did they see the glory of God in Christ? They saw the attributes in Christ's life. Yes, they saw the miracles. Yeah, right they, they saw him raise people from the dead yes they they saw the signs and the wonders that he performed uh, uh, but 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 they beheld the glory of God they beheld uh, the humility of Jesus Christ they beheld uh, all of those things that that, uh, that, that 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 we look back on and we say well there's nobody else like him and there'll never be anybody else like him at least not here on this earth. The Bible says, "One day we'll all be like him." Uh, you have the beginning of uh, that—you have the, the beginning of that divine nature while you're si- while you're still caring about that flesh and the, the flesh and the spirit battle within you. You have in you, and the, the the and the promise of the inheritance that one day you'll be like him as he is. What a what a promise of God! But but now turning your Bibles over to, to uh, Matthew chapter five, in the last couple of weeks. Um, we've been talking about, um, the, the, we talk about the, the characteristics of a disciple. We've been talking about discipleship and, and how uh, God has called us all to be disciples, how we're to be, become and, and teach, we're to learn and to follow after the commands of Jesus Christ. We, last week we talked about Matthew 28 and, and uh, verses 18 and 19. And they were to go out and they were to make disciples and they were to teach them what Jesus Christ had taught them. And we saw in Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 how that they, uh, that, that those that were newly saved, those that had just become followers of Christ, they continued in the doctrine. What doctrine did they have? What Jesus taught them. So, we're, so it, it's easy to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. Sometimes it's good to remind ourselves what that means and what Jesus really wanted us to follow him doing. Because sometimes we put expectations on, on, on people that Jesus never would have. But sometimes we even go so, so far as when you get saved, man, you should be perfect. I hope nobody here does that because none of us fall in that category. We are not perfect. And to, 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 to think of a brand new Christian as somebody who's going to be perfect... I man you're going to destroy th- that person. They'll, they'll, they'll be limiting their growth because you expect more th- from them than they're capable of. They need to grow just like you and I did. When you got saved, you weren't perfect. And guess what? Here's the secret: We still aren't perfect. We're still growing. So we're at different levels of our faith, but just like Peter said, it's good to stir up those things. Remind ourselves of those things, uh, so that so that we don't so that we can then walk in those things. Matthew chapter five, we see the beginning. Uh, it's not the very beginning of his ministry. Uh, he's he has been baptized, uh, he has been tempted, uh, and he's begun to preach to repentance and the kingdom of heaven. Now, that is the first command that all people were to follow. Jesus pr- preached repentance. Say, well, what is repentance? Is it necessary for salvation? Yes. It is absolutely necessary for for salvation. Peter said, repent and be baptized. You say, well, I believe. Well, so does the devil and his angels. Now, that does not mean that you have to completely turn your life around in an instant to be saved. That's works-based. It's talking about a change of heart and a change of mind. Right? Uh, I, was, I was walking in one direction, following self, the world, Satan, and my life. I was dead by trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, put new life in me. I now have a love for God. I have a desire to serve him. I don't know everything I'm supposed to do. Uh, uh, God is still working on me from the day I was born, or first, uh, newborn till the day I die. I'm st- he's still working on me. But now I'm headed in a different direction. My, my mind is different. My heart is different. My desires are different. So he's, he was teaching them to repent, and there were to be fruits of repentance. Well, what is a fruit of repentance? It's evidence that you have repented. I mean, meaning that uh, not only have I said that I've changed, but there there's, should be evidence. And listen, uh, we, the Bible says we shall know them by their fruits. Now that being said, uh, we're getting ready to look at uh, the, very, the very first recorded message, Of Jesus, one of one of the greatest messages and teachings of Jesus. We're not going to get very far into it, really. We're going to just uh, touch touch it. We could preach for months just on this past, these passages. But but I want you to, 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 to understand a few things. And, and let's take this, not, not a completely slowly, but I want us to, to really grasp these truths. So here in, in Matthew chapter 5 it says this. And we're going to read just the first three verses. It says, "And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I Lord, I need you, and uh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, those things that you taught us. Lord, you you exemplified that, that perfect nature. Lord, and I'm so thankful for, that we have in us, as Christians, the Holy Spirit. Lord, and that the fruits of that spirit coincide with your nature. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to, to live... This life, Lord, uh, as a praise to Your glory, becoming more and more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God, I pray that You would do the work in us. Help me now uh, to 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 preach the word, uh, to proclaim the, these the, the, these truths, and Lord, that it might be a blessing uh, to the to those that hear it. Lord, that it might not just be a blessing, but exhort them and encourage them, Lord. And uh, we ask that Your Spirit would would convince us. Lord, we thank You so much for all You've done. Thank You for our salvation. Lord, we thank you for our sanctification, we ask you would work. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, first thing I want I, I, the, the word it says, "And seeing the multitude." Well, who's seeing the multitude? It's Jesus. Uh, uh, the previous verses, he he asks the, or he, he he calls for some of the disciples to follow him. We see that in verse twenty three, uh, he goes about uh, Galilee. He's teaching in their synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the the kingdom and, and healing all manner of sickness. It's verse twenty three, uh, all manner of disease among the people, uh, and fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought him unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and, and he healed them. And they were, and they followed him. Great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Just think, what would happen if news got out that somebody was was here and healing people? It's casting and not just not just uh, uh, the word. Listen, there's a lot of folks out there, uh, uh, Benny Hinn and and that sort of people uh, that say that they're casting out demons and they say that they're that they're performing all kinds of miracles and and and, and special healings. And, and the the problem is, the only time they ever do it is in front of a large crowd of people. And and, and it isn't real. I I when I, I can remember years ago. I, Watching, uh, I was watching. Uh, well, I was watching Benny Hinn. That's who it was. Uh, not intentionally. I was getting ready for work and I was lacing in my boots and, and I, I watched him. And he's talking to a, a, a stadium full of people, and he threw the Holy Ghost. Now you think I'm kidding? He he went like this: "Here, have some Holy Ghost!" And everybody in that, in that section they did the wave, and they fell back in their seats. I'm sorry. That's not how the Holy Ghost works. I never found that in the Bible. Now, I do remember where there is, a, there is a, a, a spot where Jesus said to the disciples, he received the Holy Ghost, and then he breathed upon them towards the end of his ministry. However, it wasn't the same thing. Many healing certainly isn't Jesus. I've, I've seen him heal people, in quotation marks. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that, that God can't work and that God can't heal. We know that God can, but those signs were for the people of Israel so they would understand that Jesus was the Messiah. The, if you, sometimes I wondered, why did Jesus do some of these things? The whole turning water into wine thing? I, I don't know how many times I asked myself, why did Jesus turn water into wine? What good did that do? But it says, right if you just read it, it says it. It, it says that he did these things so, so that his disciples would believe. Uh, there was a purpose behind those miracles. It wasn't just so he could build up his following. But I want you to imagine what would happen if there was somebody that was here that could really heal people. People that everybody knew was sick, that they, they'd, seen the, uh, they'd seen the doctor's reports, and, and, and somebody, came, somebody came along and they, they, they healed that person. How big of a crowd do you think would show up? And they'd watch more people get healed. And the more people that get healed, guess what? The word spreads, right? Hey, there's this Jesus guy. He's over here at Fellowship Baptist Church. And man, my, my cousin was, 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 uh, was lame and he touched him. It was the first time in, in 25 years. He got up and walked. Mine was suffering from schizophrenia. My, my friend was uh, suffering from schizophrenia. He came in and Jesus put his hand on him and his, his mind is clear. All those things. What do you think was going to happen? People came. From everywhere. So when we talk about a multitude, we're not talking about a little gathering of ten people or twenty people or a hundred people. It wasn't just the twelve people that Jesus called. It says multitudes came from the capitalists and Galilee. I Man, they came from everywhere. Why? Because they had they, they had a desire. Some had a desire to be healed. Others had a desire to have others healed. And others just want to see it. I'd want to see it. Uh, so that's what's happened. That's, that's the setting as we, we come into this. And, 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 and Jesus seeing the multitudes. Didn't, didn't notice every time Jesus saw the multitudes, it moved him to do something. And it'll, it'll say, Jesus moved with compassion. Uh, when he was out in the desert and saw them, saw them as sheep and not having a shepherd, uh, he was moved with compassion. How many times when, when Christ would look at people, uh, they would, we talked this morning about uh, needing to have the right kind of vision, looking through the right lens. We are talking about having faith in God, but also in how we look at other people, and not as the enemy, not as the adversary, not as our foe, but as people that, 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 that God loves and Jesus died for. It's important for us to, to, to look through the right lens. Listen, Jesus had that right lens. When he looked at the, that multitude, he saw them, and it, it caused him to do something. Now, before we get, get into to, to, to that word seeing, we're going to come back to it in a minute. Notice it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was said, uh, his disciples came unto him. Now, why do you think Jesus went up into a mountain? He was getting ready to sit down and, and give the greatest discourse ever preached uh, by the greatest preacher ever preached uh, about the greatest message ever preached, right? This is, the. Uh, there have been times I preach, like, oh, that was a good message. I've had people come and say, "Hey, that was a great message." Man, I wish I could have been there to hear Jesus, Jesus preach. I it, it, it wasn't all fiery. Guess what? He didn't get up and get up and jump up and down. He didn't uh, shout and run back and forth. I I enjoy some of that stuff sometimes when you get a preacher who's really excited. and I had one of my favorite preachers, Robbie Morrison. He's still preaching today, though his health is poor. He used to, man, he had a red hanky. And he waved that thing everywhere. He's from West Virginia. He was a redneck. That's just what they did down there. But, man, I enjoyed those kind of things. I was Billy Sunday. would do cartwheels across the stage. Also, swear from the pulpit. I don't know if that's necessarily something that should be done, but I'm not, uh, not going to judge a man that God used. I just, I just want to say this uh, you can have the greatest preacher in this world who doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. And so, so Jesus is coming. He sees the multitudes and he sits down. But why did he go up onto a mountain to, 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 to deliver this, this word, these words? Well, I believe because he wanted to be a picture or be the fulfillment of a picture. See, Jesus was a, a better Moses. Think about what, when Moses uh, was leading the people of Israel, uh, what did he do in Exodus? Uh, he went up to the mountain, and, and then came back down, and he taught the people. Uh, you see in Exodus uh, chapter uh, 19, verse 3, uh, he goes and, and he gets the word of God, the law of God, and he, come, he comes back down, and, and he delivers that to the people. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful picture. and that's, that's how God spoke to them back then. In the Old Testament, uh, uh, they would, the, the, God would speak to, uh, to the different prophets or the different leaders uh, uh, in, in voice or in, in message. Man, what, what um, an amazing thing that that, that uh, happened. Hebrews 1.1 says it at sundry times diver, in, in diverse ways. God spoke to those men of God and then they delivered the truth. But look at uh, verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter one says verse one says that's Titus, not Hebrews. The pages are sticking together. There it is. It says God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days last spoken unto us by who? His son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God appointed Jesus to be his voice to be his uh, to, to 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 speak his words and here he's getting ready to sit down and give this message and and and, 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 and and as he went up on the mountain, there was a, a beautiful picture, uh, as, as Moses was a, 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 for, a forerunner, a picture of Jesus Christ, uh, and, and as a leader of the people. I, I just I thank God that, 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 uh, that he gave us those pictures so that we can understand that Jesus had the authority of God. He wasn't just a teacher. There were were lots of teachers back in that day, uh, uh, but but Jesus was the ultimate teacher. Uh, The people of Israel followed Moses. Why? Because he had the authority of God and the word of God. Jesus had, because he is God, the Son of God, and we beheld the glory of him as of the only God and of the Father. He had that same authority. Now, with that, let's look back now as we... To verse 1 it says, and seeing the multitudes. You and I can see you. We talked about our vision earlier this morning. We see each other in the only way that we can. We see you. I see you. You're, you're there before me. I see whatever it is that you present. But this word seeing gives us more, a better definition. It's the word Ido. It means to see. But it also implies that there's a deep knowledge of what they see. See, I can look at you and I can, I, I can discern a few things. You know, I used to love the book, uh, the books by, about Sherlock Holmes and how he would see people and could make all kinds of deductions about about them uh, because of the the different clues he got from uh, whether it's uh, the 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 fingernails or whatever. I, I I always thought that was really cool. I don't know that anybody's that smart, uh, but it made for good books. Uh, but Jesus didn't have to take pick up clues by the clo- on the clothes that you wear or what God sees the heart. So think about this. Number one, first of all, God sees you. God sees you. Not only does He see you, but He knows you. He, he knows everything about you, the good and the bad. He knows the problems that you're dealing with, the struggles that you have, the needs, what, what's most important in your life and what is the least important in your life. God knows absolutely everything about you. And because God knows you, he cares. Look, at, look with me to Exodus Chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, we see God referring to the people of Israel and their plight in Egypt. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says this, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Listen, think about this. Uh, the, 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 here you have the, the people of God. They were the, uh, the descendants of Abraham. They'd received the promises, and man, they were clinging to those promises, but instead of being in the promised land that they that they were supposed to have been looking for, they're in Egypt, and while God used Pharaoh in Egypt to save them as a people through through Joseph's influence, and got, that was all orchestrated by God. Here they are, not victors, not property owners, not leaders, not even citizens, slaves. Slaves, uh, and, and not just slaves, but uh, as such a great number that Pharaoh th- Pharaoh, was killing off their children. Think about not having any say in whether or not your child lives or dies. That uh, They just show up. That's the struggle the people of Israel are going, going through at the time. And God said, I know their affliction. I, I, I know the problems they're going through. Listen, nobody knows our struggles like Jesus does. He went through all the same temptations that we do. Well, I don't think he. Would. The Bible says the Bible says that he went through all of those things just without sin. So there is nothing that you've been tempted with. Nothing that Satan that Satan that Satan didn't tempt him with. So God knows, Jesus knows. So He sees you. He knows. But not only does He know your know know your He's able to help. And we see that there in Exodus. The next verse says, that I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and at large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the otherites." Uh, he, he says, I, 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 I see them. I, I know their afflictions and I'm here to help. God sees you. God knows exactly what's going on in your life whatever struggle it is, and he's here to help. Jesus was there to help. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, their greatest need, uh, they may have thought they needed healing. Uh, they may have thought they needed some food. Remember, he fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. They, they may have thought that, that they needed other other types of things, uh, but, but what they really needed was the Savior. They didn't understand that. They, they, they were waiting for some Messiah, but Jesus, Jesus came, and he, he was going to be there. He was going to be exactly what they needed. It's exactly what we need. He says, I see them, I know them. So, says, in seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. Now, we, we talked about who he is. He is Jesus. Uh, he's the Son of God. We talked about uh, his divine nature uh, and the fact that Moses was a picture of him as he went up on the mountain. But, but, uh, but uh, he came and, and he sat. And, and I want you to understand, when he spoke, he spoke with authority. The, uh, in fact, there was other times when he spoke, uh, when, he, when he preached or taught in the, in the synagogues, and, and they were amazed at his, his knowledge. They were amazed at the authority that he spoke with. Why? Why? Because he's the ultimate authority. Uh, uh, Elijah. Who is the ultimate authority in your life? Good answer. On this earth, who is the ultimate authority in your life? That's right. When we speak, we have authority. In your life. Now we're to be an extension of god's authority in your life at least until you're old enough to to, to live your own life and this but the, and, and the same goes for all of us god is the ultimate authority in our life but but there'll be co- people that come into your life that will teach uh, that will speak to you that they may try to give you advice or, or or direction in your life do you know where we're supposed to get our direction it isn't from our friends and our neighbors and our the word of god that's it now uh, it's it, you should you should listen to your pastor and then compare what he says to the word of God. Right? Uh, don't take anything I, I say as, 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 as Bible unless it goes with the Bible. And then, and then you can listen to it. Because it's the word of God that we're to live by, not the word of the pastor. Because pastors come and go, and pastors rise and they fall. Because they're just people. But Jesus didn't have that problem. He was God. And, and, and so he sat down and he taught, but he taught with authority. And those things that the word of God teaches us we're to, we're to take those things and we're to learn of those things and we're to apply those things to our life. That's why Jesus told the disciples as we covered in Matthew last week in Matthew chapter twenty eight, verse nine, that they were to that they were to to teach teach or teaching whatsoever things I have commanded you. Right? We're to continue on in those things. So so Jesus Christ had authority, and it, it was a deserved authority. That, uh, it, it should grab our attention, because uh, we should come and, and sit at his feet, like like Mary did, uh, while Martha was cumbered about. And, and listen, Mary sat at his feet, because she wanted to learn from him. She wanted to know what he had to say. Uh, There's just, just these people who had seen all of these miracles. Man, Yes, they wanted to see some other miracles, but it was time for Jesus to sit and talk. And listen, he had the authority. So because he had the authority to speak he deserves to be listened to how many times has a child not listened to the parents and how frustrating is that for the parent God deserves our respect God deserves uh, to be listened to look with me if you would to X, or, sorry, Deuteronomy 18 verse 15 Deuteronomy 18.15 says this, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, and to him ye shall hearken. Now Moses is here talking to the people of Israel. He says there's going to be one that's going to raise up, God's going to raise up somebody from an Israelite, a prophet. And it's him that you're listening to. Who is he talking about? Jesus. He said, It's to him that you're going to hearken. Now, this was, this was generations before Jesus was ever born. But it's a prophesy that Jesus Christ was the one that, that we are to listen to. Now we come down to, to verse number three. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Of God first of all I want to just kind of tackle this this uh, what a, what it means to be blessed or blessed first of all let's talk about what it isn't it is not happiness it is not happiness now if you look up the word blessed it means happy but when you talk about happiness a lot of times we look at uh, uh, our happiness being tied to temporal or earthly things like I get a new car I'm happy I I get a uh, I find a, a, I find a $5 bill in my pocket I didn't know was there. I'm happy. Uh, good things make me happy. But if good things make you happy, then bad things can make you sad. How many of you went to f- go get that $5 out of your pocket and realize your wife spent it? I'm no longer happy. I am now sad. I did even make me angry. I, I, I used to collect silver, silver coins. And when I got married, unbeknownst to me, my wife went and spent all of my silver coins for, for face value. On soda. I I found this out. It was it was her birthday. We were on the way to to uh, down to L O Beans in that area to to take her shopping. And I said, you know, I hadn't seen those silver coins in a while. We, we had moved. I thought they just got packed away. She goes, oh, I spent that. I'm like, what? Hundreds of dollars worth of silver that she spent on soda and snacks at the local. She goes, well, I saw this big thing of money. I'm like, and I didn't say anything for the next hour and a half. <laughs> because inside I was seething argh, angry see if 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 it says blessed if, if it means happy happiness it, 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 we can lose that happiness but instead it's it's talking about something that's a joy that's tied to our salvation in Jesus Christ to to our relationship with God uh, John chapter first John chapter one First John chapter one, just in the first couple of verses there. If you get to Revelation, take it left. If you get to Second John, take it left. First John chapter one says, "This is, this is uh, that which was from the beginning." Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and and was manifested unto us. That was Jesus, by the way. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So they're declaring these truths, so that we can have fellowship. And these things write we unto you, that your joy might be full see uh, a joy or or a, uh, a, a not a happiness but a joy or a blessedness that is based upon a relationship with God man that is rock solid cuz you can take my car and you can spend my silver <laughs> you can you can uh, take my health but you can't take my salvation See, uh, that's why Paul and Silas, after being beaten and thrown into prison, locked uh, up into shackles uh, at midnight, were able to sing praises unto God. Not because they liked being beaten and sitting in prison. There wasn't good decor back then in the, in the prison. Uh, they didn't have a TV to watch. Uh, they, they were there bleeding, and, and, but singing the whole time. Why? Because, man, they were joyful in their salvation. Uh, and we don't know what song they sang. I don't know uh, exactly what it was, but there was joy in their life. Now, uh, this, uh, this, this uh, blessedness is, is not tied to our value. It's not tied to our value. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we're not, sometimes uh, we think uh, we're, we're happy because we are somebody or we aren't anything. But listen, God is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons. We say it this way. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need Christ. Uh, uh, sometimes when people have a, a low esteem or a low, low self-esteem, right? They don't think much of themselves. We don't find our value in how happy we are. If that was the case, <laughs> they'd be in trouble. However, we, you know where our value comes from? Our value comes in, in what the most... Uh, a value of an object uh, is whatever the most somebody's willing to pay for it. You know, you go to an auction, and there's no set price. I wish everything was this way. I'll pay you this. That's all I'm going to pay. You don't get, you don't get to dick it most of the time or, or barter most of the time. Uh, but, but in an auction, you know, you could want something, and somebody else wants something, and then you get a bidding war. And I'll pay this much, and then I'll pay this much, and then I'll pay this much, and then I'll pay this, And before you know it, there's, you know, you're paying out the nose for something that wasn't worth half that much and say, well, sold at auction for this much. So anything else that's similar to that would be, their, its value would be, would be based upon what somebody has spent for it. Jesus Christ died for you. He spent his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He values you. Uh, he values more, you more than anybody else in this world. I love my wife to death, not Literally to death. But I love my wife to death. I love my kids. Man, I I would give my life uh, for my kids. But I I tell you this, Jesus values my family more than I do. And their value comes not in what I think they're worth, or what you think they're worth, or what they think they're worth. Their value is, and my value is, in what Jesus thought we were worth. And, man, he loved us. So much so that even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for. Uh, we, uh, we know that, but we forget it sometimes. So uh, being blessed or our blessedness isn't based upon our, our value. It's not based upon our happiness. Uh, it's, 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 it's based upon the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, it says, blessed are they, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. We talk about humility, and it, that's, what, that's, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about our, our humility. But I don't think that many times that we really have a, a good understanding of humility. But that word "poor" it gives us a better definition. Because I'll say, oh, have you ever heard somebody? I'm humble, right? They're not humble. They're bragging about the humility. That's a, that's a fake humility. Uh, I, I don't need anybody to know my name while I'm here. I'm, I'm just a helper. i just. Uh, by declaring yourself. So there goes the humility part of it. What does humility really mean? That word poor, uh, it's, it, 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 it comes from the word poor. Uh, to cleos." It means reduced to begging, destitute of wealth. Influence, power, honor, virtue, eternal riches, one who is helpless and powerless to accomplish anything. We are poor in spirit. We are poor in spirit. In spirit, uh, there's a good picture in Luke chapter 16 of somebody who's poor. In fact, it's, it's a it's another phrase, uh, another time that Jesus used the word poor uh, as, as he g- gave this uh, this this account. Now, many people would say it's a parable. However, uh, the poor man is uh, named. His name is Lazarus. Turn over with with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 16, 19 through 21. It says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple, and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at the gate and full of sores, and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That is a poor man. The the picture of a poor man is is one of a beggar, one who has absolutely nothing. Now. We here in America don't understand that, right? We, 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 we may not have as much as somebody else does, but there are very few people that have nothing, and most of them live under a bridge. And even they probably have a box uh, and, and are able to get some food together. Uh, uh, but I, I want you to understand, we have a poor concept of what it means to be a beggar. It means someone who, who, who has nothing for himself and, 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 and is required to beg for whatever he gets. We need to understand that as as we stand before God, he is all-powerful. He has all the riches in the world. And and, and that's that's wonderful. I I praise God for that. But as we stand before him, we have nothing to offer. And we are in need of all he has to offer. I have no righteousness of my own. (laughs) I am... I am beggarly in that aspect. I, I, the Bible tells me that uh, all my righteousness is as, is as filthy rags. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no hope of me gaining access to God because of my righteousness. Just like uh, this poor, uh, this poor man Lazarus, laying outside the 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 the, the, the rich man's uh, door, uh, had no hope of sitting at that man's table and eating any food. Uh, uh, he was just outside there, waiting for the for the mercy and and the and, and the, the the gift of that man to let him eat uh, the crumbs with the dog. Now we say that's that's terrible for, that he had to go through that. It is. I, I'm not saying that anybody should ever physically have to go through that, but we need to understand that as far as God is concerned, that's what we are to be like poor in spirit, reduced to begging, destitute of wealth. There is nothing in my pockets. I can carry nothing with God, destitute of influence. I can make, uh, on my own, I cannot, cha- I cannot get God to do anything for me. Now, that does not mean God will not answer my prayers, but he doesn't answer them because of me. He answers those prayers because of who? Jesus. Because of him, we can boldly enter into the throne room of grace. So I need to understand that it's all in Christ. We are to pray, we are to go to God, and yes, that we have been adopted into the family, but all of that is because of Jesus Christ, not because of us. We're to be poor in spirit, destitute of wealth, influence, power. I I can do nothing without God. Nothing. I have no strength to go on. I Without God, I would not be standing here speaking. See, we need to learn that we really rely on God. Forever. We get in our mind that I can do this, and I can do this, and I got this, and I can do this, and this, and this. Only by God's grace can you do any of those things. I can work and make money for my family, only because God allows you to have a job, and it allows you the strength to be able to do that job. Well, everybody can. Not everybody can. By God's grace, we can do those things. Destitute of honor. A lot of times, we put ourselves up on that pedestal a little higher than we ought to be. In fact, we always do. Sometimes we'll look at others and say, well, you know, at least I'm not... (laughs) And we would never say it out loud. Right? We would never say it out loud. But in our mind, in our hearts, the problem is God can see what's in, or hear what's in our hearts. The truth is, we aren't anybody. We shouldn't lift ourselves up. We have no honor. We should, uh, When we go into a room, we should always find the the least conspicuous place as far as uh, in in the presence of God. We should never put ourselves before others. But what did the disciples always do? Listen, we talk about us, but the disciples did the the very same thing. They're arguing about who's going to sit at the right hand and left hand of of Christ. Uh, uh, It's within our our human nature to want that. But listen, we're to set aside that nature. We're to put on the nature of Christ who, according to Philippians 2, was humble of mind and laid aside his glory so that he could become a man, a servant even, and suffer death for us. No honor, no virtue. Virtue is, uh, can be said a couple different ways, whether it's righteousness, goodness, or strength. And the truth is we don't have any of that without, without God, or to be poor in spirit. It also says eternal riches. Without, we, we, I'm so glad that I have a home in heaven. I am so glad that, that, that I've been adopted into the family. And that one day, uh, one day, according to Ephesians, I'm going to see the, 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 the exceptional riches according to uh, his loving kindness in, in Christ Jesus. But it, it's all because of Christ Jesus. I've got a new body. The Bible says I've got a mansion in heaven. I mean, I, there are streets of gold. I, 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 it's going to be amazing up there. There are eternal riches. And even more than that, whatever riches are given to me, whatever crowns are given to me, I, I, I'm going to sort of cast them back at his feet. Why? Because they're not for me. I'm not worthy of those things. I'm going to, I'm going to, even if I think I'm worthy of those things now, well, you know what that tells me? I'm not going to get any of those things. Because uh, all those works were then, were then wood. Hey, it's stubble. But as I humble myself and as I am really, truly poor in spirit, I don't want those things. Jesus Christ deserves all those things because he's given me whatever virtue I have. He's given me whatever eternal riches I have. And, and the last part here says, it says I'm helpless and powerless to accomplish anything. Without Christ, listen. Uh, uh, God calls us to do certain things. Uh, we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to, to be a witness. We're called to do a lot of things. And a lot of times, we try to do things on our own. I could get up here and preach the message and do it on my own. And I could, if I had the ability, could could preach a great message. And man, I could I could wow everybody with my use of the the, the English language. I've got a I've got a preacher friend of mine. Uh, that guy has a way with words. Uh, I have to stop and listen very carefully to hear what he said. He uses big words, like big words. And I'm like, how did he get so smart? And I can listen to him. And it's okay to have all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. Whether you speak with little words or big words, the only way we accomplish anything is through the grace of God. The only, the only way that we're able to, to see a soul saved is because we were obedient to what the Word of God said, and we did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way I preach a message that, that changes the heart of anybody. Listen, it's not my message. It's the Spirit of God that does that. And we need to come to an understanding that there's nothing that we have to offer God. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And again, it's not tied to our value. You're not invaluable because, or you're not valueless. That's what, invaluable means the, other, the opposite. You're not valueless. I don't use big words, that's why. <laughs> you're not valueless because you're poor in spirit. God's still, still valuable because of what God's done for you. But it, it can't be a feigned humility. It can't be fake. There's some people that they are humble and they'll tell you about it. We've got to mention that. That's not true humbleness. Uh, They're willing to serve. They're willing to do whatever they can, but almost sometimes it seems like it's in an effort to gain some kind of notoriety as somebody, and and I'm not accusing anybody here of that. I want you to understand what I'm saying, but there's some that they just want to be known as the helper of or the do this. If that's what it's done for, It's done for the wrong reason. Be a servant. Don't tell everybody that you're the servant, just be one. It can't be a feigned humility. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. Proverbs 15:33 says this Fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Chapter 22 verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches in honor and life. Luke chapter Actually, I can't read that. the second half of that reference. Colossians chapter 2, verse 23. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, worship, and humility. Notice it says a show. You need to be very careful of things that have that false Humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. This says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elderly. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he... Exalt you in due time. Philippians 2, you don't have to turn there, but it says that uh, we are to have the same mind as Christ Jesus. It says, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Remember, the Bible says there back in John 1 that the Word became flesh. Why did I start with that? Because just like the Word became flesh, we're to flesh out the Word. What do I mean? We are to be what Christ was. And Christ was humble. It is not easy for us to really grasp that. It isn't even necessarily easy, it isn't easy for us to live that out. Uh, and hard many times for us to acknowledge it. But we'll even sing about it. Rock of ages, cleft for me, right? It says, in, in, in verse 1, it says, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. At the cross... We sing at the cross all the time. It says, uh, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? David said, I'm not a man, I'm a worm. In verse Psalm 22, verse 6. Isaiah 6, 5. Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. 1 Timothy 1, Paul said he was the chief of sinners. Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said, uh, in in the presence of the Lord Jesus, I am a sinful man. Depart from me. What was that? Real humility. Real humility. How do we see ourselves? The Bible says that we're to humble ourselves that he might lift us up. When we approach God in prayer, we are to come humbly. Uh, We talk about the no, First Chronicles chapter first or Second Chronicles chapter seven. Uh, I don't remember which one it is. First Chronicles, right? Turn to it real quick. Want we'll to find out if it's chapter seven or chapter or first or second Chronicles? Real fast. Chapter seven, verse fourteen. Second Chronicles, thank you. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. This humility that we're to have really is that we see ourselves how God sees us. Now understand, God loves us as we are. We have nothing to bring to God. We have nothing to offer. And all that we have is only because of God's grace. And as we come in prayer, we need to come humbly. So why do we ask for things? you when you come to me and ask for something, why is it that you do that? You want or need something. Is it something that you have? Is it something that you can do for yourself? Sometimes. And we do the same thing, by the way. However, when we come to God in prayer, what, do we, what are we really asking for? Things that we cannot do ourselves. That's why we come humbly. Because we, we're, we're acknowledging the fact that we are helpless in these situations. Well, uh, we're talk, this verse is talking about uh, the people uh, coming and praying for, 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 uh, in repentance of their sin. Uh, uh, listen, that's hum- humility there. Remember when Jesus is is giving the parable of the Pharisee? I talk about it all the time. The Pharisee and the the, the publican. And the Pharisee says, I'm thankful that I'm not like this publican over here. And the publican could barely beat his chest, couldn't even lift up his eyes into heaven, and just says, have have mercy upon me. How did he see himself as a worthless sinner who wasn't just just to be uh, in the presence of God? Why did he go away justified? Because he was humble. See, there, 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 are, there are people that, that, that want forgiveness, but they're not really wanting to come humbly. I deserve that forgiveness. That's not humility. Humility is, God, please, give me that. Help me. Save me. How do we see ourselves? How do we approach God? According to Jesus, that it is that we are blessed, and joyful as we come to God in poor in spirit, and that we shall receive the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't something necessarily that we that we have to, it's not just something that we do. This is something that we become. Because that old man, and you and me, that old nature, man, it's a proud nature. But that new man in us, that new man is more and more like Jesus Christ as we allow the word of God to renew us, renew our minds and our hearts and our spirits. So as we go out of here today, remembering this very first sermon that Jesus Preached, and remembering how he lived as our example, may we go out humbly. Humility is a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard way to live. But in all honesty, that's how Jesus lived. The glory of God in heaven who created everything came down to this earth and allowed mankind to humiliate and batter and kill him. When we think about that, uh, how humble should we be? May God help us to live it. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the things that you taught us. Lord, and... Lord, you didn't just teach by your word, you taught by example. So, Lord, I thank you for that, and I pray that you would help us to apply uh, this simple truth, Lord, to our lives. Lord, help us to truly be humble, not fake it, not, not put on a, a, a mask of humility. Lord, but help us to truly just see ourselves as what we are, Lord, or beggars in need of salvation, in need of your righteousness, in need of everything. Lord, may we come to you, Lord, may we serve you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.